Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, people? You know what that music means. It is the unfiltered band, and that means we are in another episode of the pod. It is episode number seven of Unfiltered, and here we go. Good to have you on board. Casey Stern with you once again, as we'll have a lot of fun here over the next however the heck long this is, depending upon how much I spout off. This is an episode that was unplanned, not supposed to happen, but if you have been listening along the way, and if you haven't, well, screw you people. (laughs) If you've been listening along the way, in episode six, part two, I suddenly, in the middle of one of the list numbers, started having a conversation about, as I swat a bug away for those of you on the podcast, get away from me, Nat. Nats are annoying. First of all... You know they're annoying when they're spelled in an annoying way, right? Like I know CC Sabathia that that game they were midges, I guess, not gnats. But when you can't even spell the word, it's already annoying. Gnat, get out, gnats. In any case, I digress. In episode six, part two, I had kind of got into a conversation randomly about appointment views. You know, Mr. or Mrs. must-see TV, if you will, right? If you're thinking about just the, the people that it may not be, and this is really something that comes down to your own preference, and it's something I'm going to talk about in this list because some of these are going to be ones that you would be like, oh, yeah, I love watching them play, but I just don't care about that person as much as you do, and that's totally fine. But these are going to be a, a personal list. I'm going to share with you, right, in my lifetime – who would have been my 10 appointment views and like a host of honorable mentions that I'm going to get into also because it's really difficult to cut to 10. And I wanted to give some love to a lot of the people that couldn't make the list, right? But this is something where it kind of just came out of nowhere. We were discussing, I don't even remember where I was in, in general. I don't, know where, I don't know where I was last week. No, I, wherever I was talking about in the second part of episode six, we're doing the hills to die on, I started getting into just the guys that you just, you had to see play. And I mentioned three or four of them that all made this list, not in the order that I had put them necessarily when I was doing uh, episode six, but I thought it was a really kind of a fun topic. And I wanted to start out this way by, by telling you, and I'll probably say this on Twitter a couple of times as well about this episode. I want to hear who would be on your list. Like, I want to know, and it could be the stupidest reason. I don't care. Like, you're a fan of, um, I'm trying to think of, like, the most random thing humanly possible. Okay, so you happen to be a a fan of, I don't know, uh, the New Jersey Devils, and Sergey Breland was your favorite player, and you like watching him play. I mean, really, I would tell you to find somebody more fun, but whatever it is, like, I don't care. Like, I want to hear, and it's the most random thing, literally. Not only did I think of the most random thing I could think of, I thought of the most random thing humanly possible, because no one knows who Sergey Breland even is, I'm sure, outside of his family members and Devils fans. But whomever it might be, it's like it, it's really it's your list because as I go into this, I'm going to explain it's also what sports you like, right? Like there are certain sports you may not even be interested in. So we're going to give an additional episode that I didn't have planned before we get into some fun coming up in the next week or two with a couple of guests that I'm really excited about and some other topics that I want to hit, including something topical related to baseball. But I wanted to sneak this in because I thought it'd be fun. So Episode 7, Mr. or Mrs. Appointment View. Here we go. Uh, I want to start here. Uh, We have not created yet the Appointment View background of this podcast. Actually, I'm like kind of making fun of it myself because I have some pictures of my kids and this is my life. And then if you see over this shoulder here, (laughs) I just literally, I drew something myself. (laughs) I threw it in the back because I recently moved. And this is not an Appointment View this is an appointment, suck up the joint and be the worst thing ever. Like, there's nothing good about moving. It, really, there's nothing. Moving, I was saying to somebody earlier today, is like two weeks of going to the DMV every day. And you walk into the Department of Motor Vehicles, wherever you because anybody knows. There, there, there are no, like, the happiest place on earth is Disney World or Disneyland. 
The antithesis of that is the Department of Motor Vehicles. You walk in there, no one is happy. Like, I'm telling you, you could propose to one of the people who are behind the counter, and they still are going to shit on you. Like, literally, they, it doesn't, it really doesn't, and I mean, if, if you were dating them, like, not randomly, like, freaking creeping them out, right? Like, these are the most unhappy humans ever. Moving is like two weeks of walking into a DMV and looking up at the counter at the, you know, the, the signal that has, like, the letters and the numbers of, of who's coming next, and it says, like, C385, and you're A12, right? Like, or, right, ver, ver, Vice versa, excuse me. Like, it's A12, and you have, like, C385, you know, right? Like, you're, like, the last guy on the plane in Southwest. If you walk into the DMV anywhere after, like, five minutes after it opens. I mean, really, the only anybody who goes to the DMV, it's like, when do you open? No one asks, when do you close? Because there are people who are there at lunchtime who aren't going to be able to get taken before it closes, right, in some places. So that's what it's like every – it's like doing that for two weeks straight, having to move. Like packing is the worst thing. Nobody wants to unpack. What do I take? What am I hoarding? What do I need? Then, then it's like, you know, my kids are like complaining today. You know, whole point being that I, I'm looking to create a wall behind me, and I will, for kind of what the backdrop will look for this. But, you know, like my kids, like, you know, where's this? Where's that? Like – I'm still trying to find out where my own stuff is. I, I don't know. Like, look, I have no idea. Like, you write, like, on a box, like, you know, if you write fragile, it's like we're going to be careful, right? You know, you're trying to write, like, a kid's name or, like, you know, it's, it's their Christmas stuff or their shoes or whatever. I still can't figure it out, and I'm the one who wrote the titles on the boxes. Okay? Moving sucks, all right? And if you're dating somebody at the DMV, propose to them, please do it soon. But I do want to hear on Twitter if you have any ideas of what uh, I could put behind me or if you can draw, you can come draw at my house. Um, you're more than welcome. Y you can come draw right on the wall behind me and let me know what you want to put in. Like if, if we, somebody wants to make a mural, like I'm all for that. Let's make it happen uh, here at Unfiltered. So while we're a work in progress in terms of trying to functioning with our background, let's get forward and function with uh, our next uh, list. And they're not all going to be lists. Uh, that's one of the reasons like I was like I don't know if I want to do this because I don't want people to think like all of a sudden like one of my lettermen but I like the list thing it's fun it's fun getting into I like debating with people about it which we've done and I I really dig the appointment view thing because I think it's cool because you, you don't have to get into the like who's better and oh like how could how could you think that guy's the best player like no I'm excited to watch this person and here's why right like like suck it really I don't care you know what I mean like, seriously, I, I really don't care what you do, right? And that's how everybody should be, like what player you're interested in. So I got to start with honorable mentions. And I got to give a shout out to uh, my former broadcast uh, partner, Lights Out Lidge, Mr. Perfect in the season where they uh, won it with the Phillies, who we used to do power rankings. Anyone who's listening to this now who used to listen when he and I were doing a show together on MLB Network Radio, and I, it would be like the top five, and he would do like 19 of them. I'm, I'm about to be him right now, so be Lidge, there you go, if you're listening. Uh, I want to bring up some honorable mentions, though, because it's hard to, to fit so many in there when you're doing a top 10. And in a lot of these cases, it's like, wow, like, Somebody's going to get pissed at me for not having this person on the list, right? So I want to start here. I'm the only human who would make a list like this and not have Tiger in it. The only one, all right? I'm the only one that would not have Tiger Woods in this list. I wanted to bring this up because I said this in you know a couple of other episodes. I know some people you know have not listened to me over the years, don't know who I am. And that's all fine. You're here by accident. You thought it was David Stern, my uncle, like whatever. Okay, it's fine. Howard, like I must be his son. Maybe he's good at radio too. <laughs> like yeah, whatever it is, right? Um, and I'm cool with that. I don't like golf. I think it's boring as shit. I can't understand why anybody would want to do it as much as everyone I know except me wants to do it. And you could throw tomatoes at me and things, and don't tell me it's a fruit and a pizza. But you could throw anything at me you want. It's fine. I'm the only idiot who wouldn't have Tiger on the list. Even I, not liking golf, have watched a ton of golf over the years with Tiger, which shows you the appointment view he has. But I wanted to take heartstrings and make it more about what I get excited about, so I don't have Tiger on the list. That's number one. And I want to, you know, to at least 
I wanted to bring that up because I know how stupid that is. But it is not a golf fan, okay? I don't have anybody from tennis on this list. But I did have some people that I wrote down who would have been, like, you know, it's like, I will go back to, like, every, every movie I love is a top 20. Like, I don't know what numbers they would be. But Serena Williams, for sure. I mean, what she's done in her career, it's, it's, it's stupid. It's, like, remarkable. All right. She basically Wayne Gretzky on a tennis court. It's crazy. All right. Andre Agassi, I put down because, you know, even it's weird. Like Andre Agassi is like a basketball player who's like a great athlete, even though he wasn't. But like, follow me, like who like you really love watching play. And it's like they're not as good as some of the other people. But like, I like watching them. Andre Agassi, you know. Whether it was the what the Eos Rebel commercials or the Canon commercials, like or like who he was dating or the way he played, it just kind of seemed like a cool dude. And then like the story, like at, at the end of his career when he was old and he's making a run, like I, like I, I, I dug watching him play. So Agassi absolutely was on the list. And then I put Connors and McEnroe because, I mean, just their personalities—they were kind of nuts. In addition to the play and the rivalry and all of that. So I don't have any tennis players on the list, but I do like tennis. Um, I don't have – this is hard for me because I love MMA. I do. And I, I love the UFC, and I have for a long period of time. Like, I started watching the UFC just before the first Ultimate Fighter, Ultimate Fighter TV show. So I, I've, and I've been into it like ever since, and I'm a huge fan of it. I don't have any UFC fighters in the list, but I wanted to put like, I tried to like almost force something in because I was like, I really would like to make a statement here. Like, I don't, I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but, um, you know, there are a lot that people would have as, as kind of options, you know, John Jones and certainly like all the stuff off the the off the court, if you will, or the outside of the octagon aspect of it, which, look, it's appointment view also because it's craziness going on, right? Um, Anderson Silva, who I think a lot of people would have, I, I, I just wanted to bring up that for me it would be George St. Pierre. Like, I, I don't – the athleticism of, of GSP is something that, like, if you watch that sport, I don't think we really understand, like, how ridiculous it was. Like, he was taking dudes that were so good in beating everybody else and making them look – like, beyond inferior. Like, I don't even know a comp to what he was doing. Like, like he would, like, take BJ Penn and, like, make him look like a, like a, like somebody who'd never been in an octagon before. It was, like, the craziest thing. Like, it's, it's amazing how everybody got in there and eventually Matt Hughes after the first time. It's, like, he, he made them look like they were so inferior to him. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody in that sport do that in that manner before it, it just was it was a different kind of a thing and he was such a great athlete too it, for me he would have been the guy but I, I did not I did not put him in there other appointment views that I have in there that I didn't put in the top 10 I wanted to bring up and I, I actually do have two guys in the top 10 and this is not it's not because of this I'm just blessed to say that I do have this. And these were appointment views for me in my lifetime. Two of the top 10 I, I've worked with, which is, is just really a cool thing for me. It's not why. It's like they don't need me to be like, oh, like, oh, he's greasing. Like, no. Um, but one that was an honorable mention that I, I didn't put in there that I, I have worked with a lot, a bunch at least, and is a really cool guy. is Vince Carter. I, I wanted to bring it up because he's the best dunker of all time. I know what kind of crap that probably is going to get me. My old heads. I understand people who don't, um, you know, want to talk about anybody except Michael Jordan when it comes to dunking or, uh, you know, people down here by me. And I love Neek, you know, Dominique Wilkins or people my height, Nate Robinson or whoever. Vince Carter is the best dunker of all time, in my opinion. Um, I feel pretty strongly about it. I think you can make a really good case about it. But I think Vince Carter is the best dunker of all time. I do. And because of that, I wanted to put him in there as an appointment view because, you know, it's not anymore, certainly like with the slam dunk competition, 
Like, first of all, can I just tell you about Unfiltered? My dog is knocking at my door. I know you think I'm kidding. Like, this is ridiculous. I'm literally going to have to... Hold on one second. My dog... Like, who... Hold, uh, wait, hold on one second. Excuse me. Oh, he just walked in. Okay, come on, Charlie. Come here. Because I wanted the people in the video podcast to see this. Come here, Charlie. Come on in. My dog just not only knocked on the door, he opened the door himself and walked in. This is live. This is unfiltered. I don't edit any of this. Like, I'm sure a lot of people do... You, you know, you puny podcasters, all editing and, like, making it all nice. I don't do that. I have a picture I drew on the wall behind me, and my dog just knocked and walked in. Can I help you? And they walked away. What the hell did you open the door for? <laughs> that's real. That just happened. That's totally, that. that's real life, people. That's that's real life. And it's funny, too, because when I heard that, I heard a noise. I thought a, one of the pictures behind me was falling down. <laughs> it's like my dog's knocking at the door. Um, I think Vince is the best dunker of all time. And that's an appointment view thing for me. So I put that on there. Dwight Gooden. As a kid, like, you know, it's sad that like Doc's career couldn't get to, you know, for a lot of reasons we all understand already, like where it should have. But when you think about the season that he had in 84 and obviously 86, they win, but in 84, he's like 24 and four as a rookie with like a one eight something or whatever it was ERA. Like, that's the stupidest garbage. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, you can't do that on PlayStation. And his fastball-curveball combination, the Ks that they were putting up in the stands for the strikeouts, all of that, like, he was such an appointment view, like, an excitement level of as a fan, right, trying to get in the building to go to Shea at the time. I wanted to put him in there. Uh, Deion Sanders was close for me. Like, and not just because, like, even the Tim McCarver thing. It's like everything he does now even is appointment view. Like, some people are just got that it factor in everything that they are. And, you know, I, I happen to be a Florida State fan. Like, you know, he, we're talking about Neon Dion, and then he's prime time, and then he's prime. And, and you know, I mean, he's like a, a pastor, a preacher, a coach, a, a Hall of Famer, a pro bowler. I was like, amazing. All the things he's done. And it's it, to me, it's unbelievable special talent. When you talk about it as an athlete, he was on there. As an animal lover, this isn't why he's not in the top ten. But I almost didn't even want to mention any the word honorable next to him, even though I know there's been apologies and stuff. But I've already kind of talked you through how much I don't buy uh, anyone's bullshit of saying I'm sorry for anything in life. I just don't buy it. Really, ninety nine percent of the time, people are full of crap. Um, but Michael Vick. <clears throat> When he was playing here and when he came out of college, he was as big an appointment view that the NFL had seen in a long time, like in a long time. Like everything that guy did, like as a quarterback, it was like ridiculous how he had like lightning quick feet and, and you're know, changing a dime like a running back and, and then zip the ball down the field the way that he could. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like Mike, I mean, watching him until the dog thing. So he's in there. In the honorable mentions. Um, and then the last thing, which is not honorable of me, I'm a diehard hockey fan. Like, I have worked in places, and I'm not going to you know, bring up names and stuff, but this is legit stuff, okay? <laughs> I've worked in places where they've, like, done other sports outside of, like, whatever sport I was doing, and I've not done hockey for a living necessarily, right? I did do... Um, pre and post for the Rangers like many, many years ago, right? As part of a, my job when I was at MSG. But like I have had people ask me who are like covering hockey, like about like pronunciation. Like I, I, I'm a hockey guy, like even though I don't work in it, like I love the sport and I have no hockey players in my top 10. I think it's because I'm an Islander fan. Like I thought about this, like Mike Bossy was like, like I, this is when I was first starting to getting into to being a fan and the late Mike Bossy, like I thought about it, but it's like I was five, six, seven, eight. And no, like Pat LaFontaine, people are going to have to Wikipedia. They don't even know who that is. Right. Wayne Gretzky. Like, here's the thing about Wayne Gretzky. This is this is the craziest thing. Right. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you that the two people that I put down here were Sidney Crosby and Mario Lemieux, both penguins. Right. The thing about Wayne Gretzky, which is just crazy. This is going to sound like the the stupidest thing literally ever said. Like, he didn't have an appointment view kind of a game. Like, and I look, he's the greatest hockey player of all time. And I've always said this, and I don't even know what the list or question that this is, right? But if you think about 
in what sport in your lifetime, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people that I've worked with over the years in different sports. Like, I remember sitting when I was at Turner, like with NBA people explaining them and not, they weren't all actually disagreeing with me. Like when I was showing them the numbers and they, even if the, some of them kind of liked hockey and some didn't, but you know, Wayne Gretzky got more assists than anyone else has points. Like he, the difference between Wayne Gretzky and everyone else is basically as close as you're going to get to GSP and everyone he was fighting. But like, you don't get that in other leagues. Like no offense to Mark Messier, who was his second line center behind him or anyone else. Like these are like unbelievable. These are like top 20 talents. Mario Lemieux, there was something to me about, you know, you know, nowadays you see all the speed of like Connor McDavid and some of these guys and it's wow factor, Matt Barzell, you know, I'm an Islander fan, so hi. But there's a, there's a wow factor of, of you know, you, know, you think about Cole McCarry and all, you know, the young talents around the NHL. You think about speed, you think about getting up and down the ice and all of that. Like Wayne Gretzky was behind the net. Like, it, it, yeah, it's his office. It's great. Like some people call the bathroom their own office. I'm not trying to compare that to going behind the net and making passes, but like Wayne Gretzky, it was, was a wonderful talent, but, I think Mario Lemieux for me was more of an appointment view to watch play hockey. And I don't know how dumb that is. I don't think I've ever said it to anyone, but I've always felt this way. Like for me, it was more of an appointment view to watch Mario play than Wayne Gretzky because like Mario Lemieux was so big and he would like literally go through like five guys on his own. And like, you can't not see him. Like he's a large man. And it wasn't like he was pirouetting through. Like we've seen like, you know, smaller, like great skaters, right? that are, are kind of tough to get a handle on. Like, you think about some of the young... T- look, Barzell, not a big guy. Johnny Goudreau. You think about some of, like, this... Like, we've seen, you know... I am not want to bring up the guy in Boston because not like he's a great skater, but he's a great player, but he may be, you know, the biggest ass in the league and really difficult to like. Uh, his name's Brad, not Lidge. But I think about, like, Mario Lemieux. It's, like, amazing to watch him play. It was, like... When I talked about like, you know, the gazelles in center field, like guys who just like float around there and I was making a reference, which is unfortunate because it wasn't trying to get on Jim Edmonds, but I was getting on him in the last pod when I mentioned him and I said, you know, guys who like have to dive when Andrew Jones is like floating around in center field, like Mario Lemieux was like floating on ice. I know that sounds like I just like did acid or something, but seriously, like he was like floating on ice. It's amazing to watch. Not against my Islanders, even though we took him out when they tried to win three cups in a row. Hi, David Volick. Go look him up in Wikipedia. You're going to find him somewhere next to Sergey Breland from the beginning of this podcast. People are going to be like, you mentioned Sergey Breland in a podcast? Sergey Breland would be surprised I mentioned Sergey Breland in a podcast. But I don't have any hockey players in the top ten. I was like, what? how stupid is that? Probably pretty dumb, but let's do it. Without further ado, and yell at me and give me all your thoughts... And these are all personal, okay? So this is like, I'm going to take a sip of Gary before we get started. But this is like, this is my list. Like, I'm not asking you to, like, agree with all of these. That's why these are opinions, people. Don't get so upset, all right? Draw on my wall. <laughs> Literally. Please, come draw. Mm. All right, here we go. Number 10. And this one is kind of a personal one, but, and it, you know, he's, he's off the field, uh, things are not wonderful. Okay, so please understand this is appointment view on the field. If if anybody gets offended, I'm talking about just athletes here. Okay, we're not voting for the Hall of Fame. I'm not asking someone to date my daughter. But Lawrence Taylor is number ten for me. I'm a Giant fan growing up. This dude, like, I didn't know if it was assault and battery what he was doing to quarterbacks. Like what he did to Joe Theismann was. I mean, that's that's not right. Literally, it's like legit. Like one of those injuries, like. There have been a few injuries that, that you, you watch over and over again. And you like, why am I watching this replay? And then there's like now, because it's Twitter, there's like arguments on Twitter. Like, should they be showing this replay? Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman, certainly on the list. The Weidman injury where he got hurt against Uriah Hall, definitely on the list. Um, I can't remember the guy's name right now, but the shooting guard at Louisville during the uh, NCAA tournament, absolutely on the list. Napoleon McCallum, if you remember him, the, the Raiders running back, definitely on the list. And there are some others. But Joe Theismann, I mean, like literally like that, you can't even watch that. But Lawrence Taylor was doing that to everyone. He was the scariest man. It's like Bill Parcells was scary 
like to Phil Sims. Like Lawrence Taylor was like eight Bill Parcells. <laughs> it's like amazing. He was changing games on his own. Like, you know, look, there are there's some the late Reggie White, the I think of that even during that time, like overlapping going a little later, like Chris Dolman, if you're in Minnesota and you know, like a lot of different guys, Charles Haley, like over the years, and then of course, like a million since, right? Where it's like, well, those guys. Look, Michael Strahan was in the jump. Michael Strahan, <clears throat> you know, sacked Brett Favre and like helped him up. You know, Lawrence Taylor was like putting dudes in the hospital. This was not the same kind of a thing. Like it was not, like you know how like an MMA, like you know, which I love by the way. Like they beat, you know, I, I mentioned hockey. I love the the handshake line. I love MMA. MMA. These guys like beat the crap out of each other. There's like a crazy respect, right? Because of martial arts. Lawrence Taylor was like, looked like he was trying to kill people in terms of the way he was he was destructive to the opponent in just an, an amazing... Look, Dave Buckus, there are guys, Mike Singletary, there are guys like over the years as linebackers in the, in the way that they understood the game. But in terms of just striking fear, in my lifetime, no defensive player in the NFL has struck more fear for a quarterback or anyone than Lawrence Taylor. And I believe that. I'd stand by that. I don't know if that should make him an appointment view or what that makes me, <laughs> considering that's what I'm putting him in. But I'm a giant fan. People, come on. Number 10, LT. Number 9, Pedro Martinez. Now, this may seem biased because I, I worked with him for years. It has nothing to do with that, actually. And I went to school. Look, I, I had the luxury of covering Pedro twice in Boston 2004, they won and then I, I covered him in New York with the Mets when he went there and not because I was just following Pedro around but because that, that's I just happened to work out that way but I was in school in Boston when he was dominating in the late 90s I I have said this before and I will stand by this and baseball conversations of history are amazing and the statistics and all of that I mean it really is like, like it's you know, we're all nerds right when it comes to that stuff but I, I stand by this the greatest back-to-back -back seasons ever pitched in the history of life are 99 and 2000 by Pedro Martinez. I don't want to do the whole it's not close because Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax, there are some others, right? But I, I, I feel pretty good when you think about the steroid era in the late 90s, right? In the American League East, like the dudes in the AL East with the Yankees high, right? Like, like you know, half of the steroid users, like if we make that list— no, that's not nice. I was just kidding about that part. But the Yankees are really good, okay? So that certainly helps. They did also have some Giambis and other people, right? You've got the small stadiums because between Fenway and Yankee Stadium and, you know, Camden Yards and even up in Toronto, like, there's no, there's no division in the league that's got smaller parks by a combination. At least certainly there wasn't at the time. And the dominance that he had... The game where he struck out, I think it was 17 Yankees and one hit them, is like one of the greatest pitch games ever. When you think about the lineup he's doing it against in the time he's doing it, even though it's not a no-hitter. I mean, it was, it was absurd what he was doing during those two years. He had, in 1999, all right, Pedro had 313 strikeouts and 37 walks. I want you to think about that again. He had 313 Ks and 37 walks. That's ridiculous. And a sub-2 ERA. I mean, that is just absolutely stupid in terms of that performance. But it wasn't like when you're in appointment view, it's not for me. Again, this is all opinion. It's always opinion. But even more so here because it's all relative to and subjective to what you like, right, and what you're into. Think about this with appointment view for me is I'm looking for dominance, and I'm looking for the, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I got to see it and be there. Let me tell you something. You wanted to be at the park every five days when Pedro was pitching at Fenway, and when he came to the Mets, he changed everything. Now, I saw when Mike Piazza came there, and that was a bigger deal because it was every day, and you think about what he was with the, with the Dodgers, and, you know, excuse me for his, you know, big, did he get a tribute videos for his 14 minutes with the Marlins, but... Every everything Pedro did, and I've said this before many times about his just about his Met tenure for a second. And I've talked about this with guys who were in that front office with the Mets as well off the air since. People crap on 
you know, Pedro with his Met, you know, career or, you know, four, I think it was four years and 54 million, I think it was, right? He made them so much money in terms of people coming to the ballpark. Carlos Beltran probably doesn't sign if Pedro doesn't first. And a million other things that all were domino effects of Pedro, including people getting in the building, getting excited, right? All of that. I mean, it was it's a party when Pedro was at the, in the building. You don't know what's going to happen. He could hit a guy in the head, strike out the next 10, and then dance for you. And then I, I say this, to, I, could, I could only say behind, because I would say this to him, and then, you know, lean up off the couch, and it's like, you know, he's got, like, in Coming to America, like the soul glow with, you know, gel everywhere. I mean, you know, <laughs> I remember... I remember having a couple of people joke that, you know, they could feel when he shook his head to go see if they were leading off first base, they they would they would get splashed because it's so much. Of, and Pedro would joke with me about the humidity, which he loved. But you, in terms of pitching, but here's a guy who not only was dominant, but he had flair. He it was dramatic. I mean, from. And not everything was the great, but like the Don Zimmer to like the, you know, I'm not afraid of anybody. He knew how to use the inside of the plate. He knew how to intimidate. You had to do that. But the guy is, he was an appointment viewer. And I'm not going to talk about all the other things I, I like in terms of getting to know him because it's just it's not purposeful for or pertinent rather to this kind of conversation. But as an appointment view for me, Pedro's number nine. It was amazing to watch him play. And, like, you you, ha you never knew what was going to happen. And the dominance level was stupid. Look, his changeup is one of the greatest pitches of all time. <clears throat> when you think about the, the way that he could pitch and all the different ways he could get you out, you could be here forever. But his changeup is one of the greatest pitches of all time. Number eight, LeBron James. An appointment view is sometimes... Because of good and bad, right? And not only in terms of whether or not they're somebody that you like, but sometimes it's appointment view because you're rooting against them. Great example. How does the WWE, no, I didn't put any of them in here, but how does the WWE survive, right, without people you hate? It can't, all right? Now, I don't think anybody should hate LeBron, but there are a lot of people who do, and for the dumbest reasons. Got into this last week when we were talking in the other pod about the idea that, like, you don't like LeBron. Why? Because he's amazing? Because he, like, was unbelievably hyped and then outdid the hype somehow? Like, how could you outdo that hype? And But he did. He did what he do, and he outdo, right? But everything LeBron has done in his life is an appointment view. You know, he clearly could be higher on this list in my lifetime and probably should be in terms of, like, what, you know, realistically everybody would think. Just for me, I have guys that I was more excited about watching play, right, for different reasons I'll explain. But LeBron, he's this in high school. I mean, I'm surprised it wasn't somebody when he was, like, seven, sitting there and finding the first time he underhanded from the free— I mean, everything he's done is an appointment view. But the thing about LeBron that's crazy is we're so locked in— to everything that he's done, yet we've somehow missed his career. Like, do we realize how unbelievable? Do you know how ridiculous of a machine, physically and from a cerebral standpoint, both this guy is? This guy thinks the game at like a Will Hunting level from a baseball a basketball standpoint, and works out like he's like RoboCop. Like, it's he's indestructible somehow. He's played for a million years. If LeBron could actually hit free throws, do you know what his numbers would be? I mean, that's a whole other story, but it is amazing, really, how much he's left on the plate. Like, he, like it's not like the old 96er uh, in the great outdoors. He didn't eat the grizzle and fat because that's been at the free throw line. If he would have eaten the grizzle and fat or had, like, Jordan Poole teach him how to you know, hit free throws, he'd be in a better spot. But LeBron's career, everything he does is, to a lot of people, is wrong. Like, he can't, I mentioned the other day, he can't pass to Kyle Korver, right? You can't play with Dwayne Wade because then it's and Chris Bosch because then you're not doing it on your own, right? The first of the super teams, if you will. Everybody's getting on LeBron. He gets shit on for everything. But the guy's an amazing talent. And to me, I think when you think about LeBron James, he's going to be one of these guys like we don't. LeBron's like the relationship you don't realize till after that you shouldn't have broken up. Like we've all had one of those. We've all had the ones that we were like, we should have done it earlier, but we've, we've all had that one, right? And 
That's LeBron as like a fan. That's what LeBron is to every fan. Like people are going to be like, did I really understand what I had here? Like it's amazing somehow like people are missing it because they get so angry. But I got LeBron at eight. So uh, number 10, I've got Lawrence Taylor again for me. Number nine, Pedro. Number eight, I got LeBron James. Number seven is Ricky Henderson. I mentioned this the other day, but and here's another guy that it fits for me because Ricky being Ricky, everything Ricky Henderson did was like different on a different level of like flair than everyone else had. Like there was like, <clears throat> you could have whatever word you want to use, like charisma, pizzazz, like the it thing, the factor, whatever. Ricky Henderson was like the fastest dude. He's stealing a base breaker record and then leaving with it. And then he would talk about himself in the third person, and you're like with your mouth open, and you don't know if you want to watch the highlight of the soundbite or him playing. But they equally were crazy until he became a Met and then kind of you know, made the clubhouse a little crazy. But Ricky Henderson, I, I wish if I could leave the mic now, I'd do this. Like I'm, not, I'm no batting stance guy, but everybody knows Ricky's stance. Like I remember practicing it when I was like 12. Ricky Henderson was... The, the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. His numbers are absurd. If you look into in the background of like what he did in terms of stuffing different statistics comparatively to everybody else, it's kind of stupid. I mean, the combination of power, which nobody talks about, but all the home runs that he hit, you know, it's amazing. You know, Barry Bonds, you know, kind of grew a little, so he didn't stay in the leadoff spot, if you know what I mean. But when I you know, referenced a few days ago in one of the other pods that I was watching him in the early 90s in Pittsburgh. He's a leadoff guy. He was doing, I mean, it was amazing you had two of those guys. Like, because it wasn't, it wasn't that way. Like, the leadoff hitter was like, you, you made it one way, okay? It wasn't like they went from like, I'm thinking like the Seinfeld episode, like when they cut the top of the muffin to you, right? Basically a scone. But, you know, it's like, Everybody had muffins, and they all looked the same. All leadoff hitters were the same. They you really didn't hit the ball very far. They're trying to make contact. They walk. If you're Brett Butler, you get hit 9,000 times in the back, butt, face, whatever's necessary, or bunt, and get the first, and then they do what they got to do, and they steal bases. Ricky Henderson hit, I mean, it, the, the thump and the weight that he carried in terms of the production that he put forward, not only just in scoring runs, but producing them, it was crazy. And Ricky being Ricky? Come on. Come on. LT at 10, Pedro at 9, LeBron at 8, Ricky at 7. Number 6, and this is really high, and it, it may be like a hint of a recency bias. I don't think so. I got Steph Curry at 6 in my lifetime. I love playing basketball. I played again today. I say this in every pod because I really did, like played again today. I... I'm not somebody that's going to dunk anytime soon, okay? Or anytime in the, in the distant future either. Let me just get that clear. I like to shoot, okay? I like to shoot. <clears throat> if you give me some space, I can hurt you a bit, as long as you're not really that good or tall. But I, could, I, I like to shoot, right? So the idea of seeing what Steph Curry is doing like, it's crazy. Just to give you an example. And I'm just, like, a normal person, right? Like, I remember when I was covering the NBA Finals, I think it was the second year I was doing it. And we were at Golden State. We were at their practice. And we were doing a show from there. And their practice was over. And our show was over. And I think they were just you know, editing or doing, doing some stuff where we couldn't leave yet, Right. So Zeke, Isaiah Thomas, who I was working with, and I can't remember who else it was, but I know I remember it was him for a specific reason. We're like, let's get out on the court and let's shoot. I was like, okay, this is cool. So I'm watching him hit threes. Like, dude, let me tell you something. He was, it, it, Zeke was one of the best point guards of all time and an unbelievable player. He wasn't really like a three-point shooter. Like, he could hit them. Dude, I'm telling you, this was like only like four or five years ago. He was hitting them like 12 in a row. I know no one's guarding him, but let me just tell you something. I got out to NBA three-point range, and it's like you think you're at the court, and like here they have where I play now, you know, what we run. It's like a – it's probably a college three. 
I would I'd imagine. So you step a little bit behind it, and you think, okay, this must be NBA 3. I remember going to the top of the key, and I'm like, because, you know, it's rare that you're officially on, like, an NBA court where, okay, let me let me just see how hard all these shots, like the corners must be, whatever, because you don't know, like, when you're playing on a blacktop, like, what is what, or your garage, people, okay? I'm telling you, it is, the top of the key shot of an NBA 3 is so freaking far, you have no idea how far it is. And just to go back to something I said in the other pod, oh, I could, I could do that, bro. I could do, I could hit those all day, bro. I hit those all day, bro. No, bro, you don't. Like you have no idea how far that is. It's unbelievable how much like it is difficult to keep any kind of form because you're like pushing the ball to try and get it anywhere. The idea that Steph Curry is all the way behind that and showing touch in the way that he's shooting, and I know he's like, look, Dame. And, you know, you got Step Back City with, you know, Harden and Doncic, you know, Luka. And, you know, there are other guys. But the way Steph Curry has shot the ball has revolutionized and changed the game. But not like anyone else could do it. Like, it's just like he's changed it by himself. It is amazing what he is able to do. And because it's so crazy and because it's so hard to believe the shots that he hits... And by the way, he also can get to the hole and do a lot of other things pretty well. So it's not act like this is all he can do. But because it's so amazing to watch, how is he not as good an appointment view? First of all, right now in sports, he may be number one. He's definitely number one in the NBA. And I got him on my list at number six. I got him in there. I mean, look, it's he in there for me. I got Lawrence Taylor at 10, Pedro at nine, LeBron eight. Ricky, seven. Steph, six. Number five, the other one I've worked with, Shaq. I could have put him higher, probably. In all of our lifetimes, I'm in my mid-40s. In all of our lifetimes, okay, you can make a case he's the biggest appointment view, not only in size, but that any of us have seen, all right? He is such an appointment view that you can't appointment view your television for five seconds without him on it, and he hasn't played in like a million years. You can't go in a CVS or a Walgreens in any aisle that he doesn't own half of the shit that's in there. It's amazing. He's everywhere, like literally everywhere. And I'm telling you, like, owns all the Krispy Kremes in Atlanta. I remember working with Shaq, and I worked with him for years. And there are a lot of funny stories I could tell you. A lot. Like when he sent me a, a text while we were on set. This is true. We're on set, and I don't know what app he was using to do it, but he had, he had taken a picture of me and had put, like, my, like, his, like his lips on my face, and we were singing some other song, and set, texted to me, like, a minute before we are going back on air from commercial, and I literally, I don't even know if I spoke the first three seconds the camera was on because it was so crazy I don't know where the hell he got that, but I can tell you <laughs> that we had a bet for like, I don't even remember what the hell it was, something that we did on, on you know, some, I, I don't even remember, was it golf, like mini golf in the studio or is this some nonsense? And I won and we had bet 20 bucks, right? Now look, I know Shaq don't need the money, but I was gonna give it to him. So he won. That's what happened. Then I went to give him twenty dollars, <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> I can't. It's no, the impression is gonna be terrible. But what he said is worth saying. <laughs> I turned to him and he said, "The Bank of Shakovia doesn't need your money." <laughs> it's literally. I went to hand him. I was like, "But dude, no, like, it's good, man. Like, you know, you won, so this is what happens. It's like, forget it. Like, I, you know, let's be real. I, like, I know you don't need it, but whatever." No, no, you understand the Bank of Shakovia doesn't need your money. I mean, he's he is a trip. But I remember when he told me he's got, like, ownership in Fruity Pebbles. I love Fruity Pebbles. i never seen Shaq in a commercial. He got ownership of everything. Everything you have in your house, Shaq owns. It's like a George Carlin skit. Well, we need a place for more stuff. Shaq owns all your stuff. But we're talking about a guy who is bringing back bringing down, excuse me, backboards, right, and breaking them at the Meadowlands. We're talking about a guy who 
in college and all of the hype that we talk about and all the things, and by the way, happens to be one of the most humble natured, like great dudes that you'll ever meet, which is crazy juxtaposition to like who he is, right? He was like a man among boys. It was like going back to WWE, it would be like if they didn't choose who won, in case you're not aware, right? It would be like when like King Kong Bundy was around, or I'm trying to think like Yokozuna, like there was like Earthquake, like the guy, Big Show. Like if that guy happened to not only really be the best, but then also have this unbelievable athletic talent and ability that nobody gives him credit for to get up and down the floor. Like the thing Shaq was doing, it's not like he just stood there and dunked all the time. It's amazing. Like how unbelievably I mentioned, you know, the destruction that Lawrence Taylor caused. Like Shaq was doing the same thing, and now he's in aisle seven of your CVS. Like he owned. Every, I'm telling you, he got Ben Gay. He'll ice your knees. You can go get a, some money at the General, eat some fruity pebbles, go grab a Krispy Kreme, and then turn around. All of a sudden, he owns whatever you're doing next. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. LT at ten, Pedro at nine, LeBron at eight. Ricky at seven, Curry at six, Shaq at five, Barry Sanders at four. My favorite player, non-giant in my lifetime, football player is Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders to me <clears throat> is, a, is a sad story that should have never been sad for a lot of reasons. One, it's sad because the best chance he had, Scott Mitchell was the quarterback. Two, it's sad because he never had an offensive line. Three, it's sad, and I don't mean this in a bad way, that because he was in Detroit and they weren't that good, it's not just a Detroit thing. He wasn't in the Niners. Like, it's not, this isn't about just New York, but New York or Chicago. Like, I don't even think people realize how unbelievable this dude was. Barry Sanders having no offensive line and doing what he did would be like if Dale Earnhardt Jr. was winning all of those races and he was in neutral. It's like, it is crazy. I mean, honestly, like, no, you get three tires. Or you, you win on a bicycle. Seriously. It's dumb. It's like an NBA team winning all the time. They can only shoot with two, only hit twos. Barry Sanders, go back to the highlight against Tampa Bay that everybody's seen. He runs all the way to the left. It's, these are things you can only do in Madden. Like, oh, it's like the S move in the NHL game. He ran all the way to the freaking left of the screen, then went and I know it was an actual field at the time, please. Don't explain to me. Then all the way to the right, and then what? I mean, it's amazing. Like, how is it possible? And it's so sad because if you look at the stats of Barry Sanders, for those who, have, who are young, who have never watched him play and are like, heard like he's up on the leaderboard of rushing and didn't watch him, like, don't feel bad. Please tweet me if I just taught you Barry Sanders. And it's okay. Like, if you just go watch highlights, go to YouTube and hit Barry Sanders. His runs are dumb. He's the best game-breaking running back, in my opinion, in the history of the sport. I never seen anything like it when he would cut and stop on a dime. Like, look, Emmett Smith was amazing. Emmett Smith, you know, didn't he run that counter, make one cut, and he's gone. And really understood had great vision. He was a great player. I mean, look, I'm a giant fan. He's a great player, right? Walter Payton, amazing. Gail, there's so many different guys, right? LT, the other one, Danny Thomas. There's so many, right? You can go where Priest Holmes, like any individual years, because running backs is weird that way. Nobody was Barry Sanders. The dude wasn't that big, and it was like you couldn't catch up to him. It was like Rocky trying to catch those chickens, trying to get Barry Sanders. It was, it was amazing watching him. He was such a game-breaker, but it's not only sad about all the things I mentioned. The saddest part is, you know, I don't know what it is with the Lions, <laughs> outside of, like, Detroit or that they're the Lions, but Charles Johnson, who's like an all-time talented wide receiver, he didn't want to play either. But Barry Sanders could have played years more. He could have played years more and didn't, which is so sad because that was a dude to watch play the game. I mean, his game-breaking ability to me, that is an appointment view. You watch his stats. Go look at the games. You'll see, like, game logs where he had, like, nine rushes, dude, for, like, minus one, minus one, one, three, 67, 84, minus one. Because the offensive line didn't do anything. He had to do it by himself. 10, 
Lawrence Taylor. Nine, Pedro. Eight, LeBron. Seven, Ricky. Six, Curry. Five, Shaq. Four, Barry Sanders. Three, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Everything Mike Tyson does still is an appointment view. He and Shaq separate themselves on everyone else in this list in that manner. It doesn't matter what Mike... Mike Tyson go walk to the store. It's an appointment view. Mike Tyson says, boo. It's an appointment view. Mike Tyson does anything. It's an appointment view. Anything. And, like, he's had, like... It's unbelievable. He's had, like, chapters of his life. Forget about just the career. Where it's like, wow, he's really hateable. Wow, he's really likable. Wow, he's really hateable. Wow, I feel bad for him. Wow, he's really likable. It's like a soap opera we've all lived with him. And I think he's great. You know, it's like the hangover with the tiger. Like, it's great. I mean, I like Phil Collins too, man. It's cool. I'll never forget being... Actually, if... I have two college Mike Tyson stories, which is weird, but I do have two. One, I remember being in college and going to a bar to watch, or actually, I think I just moved to L.A. It was probably just after college. I, I remember going to a bar and watching the fight where he bit Holyfield's ear. Like, if that's an appointment view, like, <clears throat> you already wanted to watch Mike Tyson because you didn't know if he was going to kill someone like, not really, okay, people don't get crazy, right? Buster Doug, he's part of one of the biggest upsets in the history of sports. Outside of the miracle on ice, right, which is, is the correct answer, where else is there to go? Like, UMBC, Virginia, like, they beat Virginia, who couldn't score. Like, sorry, even though they're number one. Nobody trusted them anyway. It was like beating a Mount Schaub team, seeded one with the Texans. Sorry at the time. I know they won the championship the next year, but probably not without the failure they had against UMBC, to be honest. But it's like, Mike Tyson was part of the biggest knockouts ever. And for people who don't remember, and let's go in order of, of like, you know, life. When he first came in and he was beaten like, you know, Michael Spinks, right? And Trevor Burbick and some of those guys, it was like he was beating dudes in like 45 seconds. It was like Ronda Rousey, except it wasn't just that like, you know, no, the, the females who were going to be better weren't ready yet, right? And he was just doing the arm bar. Like, he, Mike Tyson was like the bell would ring, he'd run out and run after the guys. Like, if people have not seen this, they should. It's the scariest thing ever. First of all, he was never taller than anyone he fought, and nobody had a chin that could deal with him. None. So he's destructing everyone. Nobody could ever beat him. It's beyond anything we've seen in, in combat sports or with Anderson Silva or, you know, I mentioned GSP or John Jones or, or anything. The Patriots, you know, Pop Spurs, the Warriors. I don't care who you want to use. Like, you know, beat at the walls of heartache, bang, bang. He was the only warrior, all right? Then in Tokyo, he's the worst upset ever, like biggest Ever. Buster Douglas. Who the hell is that? <clears throat> Buster Douglas was so bad, we had to watch Michael Moore and George Foreman combine 700 pounds and age 654 then run boxing for years after him, before Riddick Bowe. Right? Like, he was... He was just a dude. Like, a guy. He looked like just somebody you knew. How did he beat Mike Tyson? So he part of the biggest upset. And all the best knockouts. And then the crazy shit ever where he's biting a dude's ear because he can't. Why? Because he can't beat him. Then he's fighting Roy Jones. Like, I don't even know. Like, you can't. You can't, Like, his show was great. The one-man band thing on stage that he did. I'll give you my other college story with Mike Tyson quickly. And this is a true story as well. I was at a party. My freshman year at Boston University. I was at a party. This, is, this happened. I was at a party. And I don't know how old uh, Peter McNeely was at the time. I think his first name is Peter, right? I always said Tommy, but I was thinking Tommy Morrison. Peter McNeely was a guy that Mike Tyson fought. If you go back, there was a commercial, and Peter McNeely was on national TV. He was, he was knocking himself out with a pizza slice or a pizza box. you got to go back and find it. But he was just like some guy that they found at a pub in Boston. Like, I don't even know how he got... This is, like, late in Tyson's career. Like, I think it was, like... I don't know, this comeback trail. 
like you know, I feel like you know Gertie trying to get the M and M's or whatever for E. T. was more of a comeback trail. Like this was a trail of like I don't know what. But I was at a party at a at a I think it was a frat house. I don't remember, but I do remember this part. Peter McNeely walked in, like, dude, he was not in that college. At least he was definitely not in my year. Although I did have two classes with the guy who played Adam Banks at, uh, in the Mighty Ducks. That's true, also, and he was my year. That is very true. And I don't think he was was anything like uh, Adam Banks. And I did not make any Mighty Ducks jokes, but he was in two of my classes. But Peter McNeely, like this guy Tyson fought. I'm telling you right now, like no joke. He looked like he just moved like my boxes into this apartment. Like, you know, a nice guy. Like, okay, like, you know, he's country strong. He looks like he's big in his sweatshirt and whatever, like. That, that says something auto parts like <laughs> what? And it brings up the question, which I, I will ask this before we do the top two and tweet me like because I've, I've been asked this before. What a weird question to be asked. But I've been asked this before. And like, think about this, like what kind of stupid question would this be for anybody? But would you let Mike Tyson kick your ass if like they paid you whatever, like the boxer who he beats gets paid? I would. Like, I would. First of all, the first time he hits you, you're not even going to feel anything else. He's going to hit you like six more times. It's no problem. And maybe, like, all the good surgery would fix my face. And if I'm making, like, five million, like, shoot. I mean, all right. It's a few months out of commission. Is that crazy? Like, I don't think you'd feel it after the first one. I mean, I'll live, right? This isn't like Apollo Creed. That only happens anyway. Um, Tyson at three. Mike Tyson, everything he did. Appointment view. Number 10, Lawrence Taylor. Number nine, Pedro. Number eight, LeBron. Number seven, Ricky Henderson. Number six, Steph Curry. Number five, Shaq. Number four, Barry Sanders. And again, this is just personal, right, for me. Number three, Mike Tyson. Number two, Bo Jackson. You already, I already told you Michael Jordan's first in the last pod, so I'm not going to save you any surprises. But if you remembered that, you probably were wondering who the hell is two. Bo Jackson is two. In my lifetime, Bo Jackson is the... Michael Jordan is the only person who has been more of an appointment view during my lifetime in sports than Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson could have been a Hall of Famer in football or baseball, just not both. He is the only player in the history of ever, and this is never going to change. Never going to change, okay? But he is the only player in the history of ever who has been in the Pro Bowl and the All-Star Game at the same year. Is that right? That's right. In the same year. Like, how is that even possible that you could do that? Like, are you kidding when he was, like, climbing the wall in center field, everybody brings up, like, we broke the bats. The dude was, like, climbing the wall in center field to, like, go catch. Like, he was Spider-Man. Like, was his shoes had glue on them? It was crazy. The run he had 99 yards on the sideline with the Raiders on Monday Night Football. It's so sad because you think about the Bosworth thing, right, where he ran him over. Like, the, the whole thing is crazy because... There's no way you could physically, like running backs, they, they don't last long, people. It's the amazing part about Emmett Smith and Walter Payton and people like that. Like Priest Holmes, gone. Larry Johnson, gone. Barry Foster, gone. These are guys who like were great for like a year. Gone. You think, okay, well, maybe they need to be bigger. Natron Means, gone. Ironhead Hayward, great shampoo commercials. Christian Okoye, you go on forever. Meanwhile, I had Brandon Jacobs. He's still trying to get a third and one. I mean, come on. How do you have a guy that big who can't get one yard? If you've got to give a Mod Bradshaw the ball on a third and one, Brandon Jacobs should have went in hiding. Like, I never understood that. Just random thought. But Bo Jackson not only was amazing with his ability, but the charisma was off the chart. Outside of Jordan, I'd argue, because we're talking about Shaq in this list, Steph Curry... Right? LeBron, Pedro, Tyson, like all these guys, outside of Barry Sanders, really, who like you had some commercial like stuff, but like he wasn't you just could tell it wasn't he 
he was doing it. He wasn't embracing it, right? Like, you know, Shaq embracing eight, aisle eight now, too, right? During this in the CVS. Like, he just got all those, all those things, too. Appliances, he's got it all. Nobody outside of Jordan. Like, to me, I think about in my lifetime, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, and then I think about Bo Jackson. Seriously. Like, I don't know what the money says, but people don't realize, like, Bo knows Diddley, Bo knows this, Bo knows that. I have Bo knows everything posters all over my wall. The guys smile because of, like, the... The strength, it built like a brick shit. I mean, it's like it, his unbelievable athleticism. He was such a good baseball player. That's the sad part for me as a baseball fan. He was such a good baseball player. Bo Jackson, number two. Number one, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, I had the pleasure of getting a chance to watch Kill My Knicks a couple of times, including a 50-point game when I was in the building. And he had so many of those. Who am I to be lucky or feel lucky from that? When he left and Scottie Pippen decided not to, you know, leave the bench after a timeout and Hubert Davis got a, a couple of foul shots maybe he didn't deserve, I you got to see the Knicks go to a place that almost meant something <laughs> before, you know, John Starks is two for like 554. I think it was 17 in game. And by the way, they should have won that in six where he was great and missed a shot in the corner, which could have helped them actually win that before getting to game seven. But I don't want to get, you know... I've already discussed this with Kenny Smith, and and you know then he you know probably closed the door on me several times when I tried to do it, and I've I'm been in therapy since that series in general, okay. But Michael Jordan, point being, was not somebody I rooted for because he killed my teams. Like I love Joe Montana. The second he went to the Chiefs, this is a true story. And my dad, like dad, could tell you this. I bought Chiefs jerseys. Like, I was a Chief, I wanted, in my second team of the Giants would be the Chiefs. Like, I couldn't wait to root for Joe Montana. It was like he was, like, he just did, like, a face turn in the WWE. Like, I always wanted to root for Kurt Angle. And then when he was good and did, like, the milk thing and all that stuff, he rooted for, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so into this. That was basically Joe Montana for me. Like, as soon as he went to the Chiefs, I'm like, all right, yeah, throw to Willie Davis. We're going to win some games. We're gonna, like, I was into it. Like, I, you know, 19 you were in? Okay, fine, that's whatever. Michael Jordan, I wanted to root for the White Sox. <laughs> I was going to be my moment. I was like, shoot, I can't root for the Bulls, but I can root for the Barons. And Tito was the manager. Michael Jordan is the greatest appointment view of my lifetime, your lifetime, or anyone's lifetime. The guy f flew. He talked to cartoon characters. He was... Like, the mix of, like, a man you didn't... And that 30 for 30 was amazing. But, like, a man you didn't know, most people didn't like, and you couldn't not be, like, in awe of him. Like, Clyde Drexler was, like, an amazing player. Go back to the 30 for 30. And, by the way, like, also, like, uh, you know, the guy who was on, you know, these all-star teams and stuff, whatever, with Jordan, and knew him, and, you know, you think about the Dream Team, whatever. Michael Jordan talks about him, like, he's talking about, like, someone's little brother... That, that is next door asking, hey, can I hoop with you? <laughs> it's like amazing how unbelievably egotistical this guy was, but deserved to be. And, and that's, that arrogance is, is what you know, carried him during those moments, not just you know, the, uh, the IVs after the flu game or whatever that was, right? But it was still crazy. We're talking about a guy, one of the craziest, I'll give you one Jordan style, which is pretty crazy. He shot 20% from three his first, the first couple of years, right? And, like, guys weren't hitting threes yet. It was like, okay, there's Steve Kerr, there's John Paxson, there's, like, a few other guys in the league, and that's it, Ainge, right? No, we were hitting threes yet. You know, we had a, a situation during that time period in the 80s where the Nuggets played Zeke and the Pistons. It was the highest-scoring game in the history of the NBA. There were three attempted three-pointers, not made even, attempted. Like, nobody was shooting threes. But Jordan became a pretty good three-point shooter. He hit six or seven or whatever it was in, in you know, a huge playoff game that we all remember. But like, he, he worked at his... It wasn't like he could just be a skilled guy. This is a guy who worked his ass off also. But he's the greatest appointment view of all of our lives. It's like, not even, it's like a Letterman list where like, okay, and number one is punchline. It's Michael Jordan. What do you want me to tell you? He, could, he was good at basketball? I mean, it's amazing what he could do. He's the greatest player that has ever lived. Sorry. Just another thing we could shit on LeBron for, like it's his fault. Oh, you're not as good as Jordan? Oh, yeah. Well, you're not as good as Jordan. Neither is anyone else. 
There are a lot of people saying that to LeBron who aren't as good as, like, their fat cousin named Jordan. Like, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> Top 10 appointment views and a lot of, a lot of uh, other honorable mentions. Number 10, Lawrence Taylor. Number 9, Pedro Martinez. Number 8, LeBron James. Number 7, Ricky Henderson. Number 6, Steph Curry. Number 5, Shaquille O'Neal. Number 4, Barry Sanders. Number 3, Mike Tyson. Number 2, Bo Jackson. Number 1, Michael Jordan. You are number one in my heart. Please let me know what your thoughts are on your list. Like, you can't, again, don't yell at me about Tiger Woods. Please don't. All right? And I'm sorry if you have a fat cousin named Jordan, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, a few more days with my kids, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be my own fat cousin named Casey. So it's fine. It's no problem. We'll go run around in a circle and try and work off all the crap I ate today. I will see you uh, soon for a couple more episodes here in the next week of Unfiltered, including some good guest stuff that I think you're going to enjoy. Hit me up on Twitter at Casey Stern. Love to all of you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.